This book has been germinating for a long time. In the late 1990s, I wrote a few articles pointing toward it about American politics morphing into show business and baby boomers trying to stay forever young, about untrue conspiracy theories being mainstreamed and the explosion of talk radio as it became more and more about the host's wild opinions. In 1999, I published a novel about a TV producer who created two groundbreaking shows, a police drama in which the fictional characters interact with real police arresting real criminals, and a news program featuring scenes of the anchors' private lives. But the ideas and arguments really started crystallizing in 2004 and 2005. First, President George W. Bush's political mastermind Karl Rove introduced the remarkable phrase, reality-based community. People in the reality-based community, he told a reporter, believe that solutions emerge from judicious study of discernible reality. That's not the way the world really works anymore. He said it with a sense of humor, but he was also deadly serious. A year later, the Colbert Report went on the air. In the first few minutes of his first episode, Stephen Colbert, playing his right-wing populist character, performed a feature called The Word, in which he riffed on a phrase. Truthiness, he said. Now, I'm sure some of the word police, the wordanistas over at Webster's, are going to say, hey, that's not a word. Well, anybody who knows me knows that I'm no fan of dictionaries or reference books. They're elitist, constantly telling us what is or isn't true, or what did or didn't happen. Who's Britannica to tell me the Panama Canal was finished in 1914? If I want to say it happened in 1941, that's my right. I don't trust books. They're all fact, no heart. Face it, folks, we are a divided nation divided between those who think with their head and those who know with their heart. Because that's where the truth comes from, ladies and gentlemen, the gut. Whoa, yes, I thought, exactly. America had changed in this particular, peculiar way, I realized. Until the 2000s, truthiness and reality-based community wouldn't have made much sense as jokes. My understanding of how this change occurred became clearer a few years later when I started work on a novel about a group of kids who in the early 1960s role-play James Bond stories and then in 1968, as college students, undertake a real-life Bond-like anti-government plot. During the 1960s, reality and fantasy blurred problematically for my characters and for plenty of real Americans. In the course of researching and thinking through that story, I came to understand the era and its impacts in a new way. For all the fun and all the various positive effects of the social and cultural upheavals, I saw that it was also the Big Bang moment for truthiness. And if the 1960s amounted to a national nervous breakdown, we are mistaken to consider ourselves over it, because what people say about recovery is true you're never really cured. I realized, too, that this complicated American phenomenon I was trying to figure out had been not just decades, but centuries in the making. In order to understand our weakness for fantasy of all kinds, I needed to follow the tendrils and branches and roots further back, all the way back to America's beginnings. You're not going to agree with me about all the various mental habits and beliefs and behaviors I classify here as imaginary or fantastical. 
you may find me too judgmental about matters of deep personal conviction. As I pass by fish in barrels, I will often shoot them. But I don't consider all religion or all alternative belief systems or all conspiracy theories or all impossible dreams misguided. Each of us is on a spectrum somewhere between the poles of rational and irrational. We all have hunches we can't prove and superstitions that make no sense. What's problematic is going overboard, letting the subjective entirely override the objective, people thinking and acting as if opinions and feelings were just as true as facts. The American experiment, the original embodiment of the great Enlightenment idea of intellectual freedom, every individual free to believe anything she wishes, has metastasized out of control. From the start, our ultra-individualism was attached to epic dreams, sometimes epic fantasies. Every American, one of God's chosen people, building a custom-made utopia, each of us free to reinvent himself by imagination and will. In America, those more exciting parts of the Enlightenment idea have swamped the sober, rational, empirical parts. Little by little for centuries, then more and more and faster and faster during the last half-century— Americans have given ourselves over to all kinds of magical thinking, anything-goes relativism, and belief in fanciful explanation, small and large fantasies that console or thrill or terrify us. And most of us haven't realized how far-reaching our strange new normal has become. The cliché would be the frog in the gradually warming pot, oblivious to its doom until too late. Footnote. In real life, frogs jump out before the water gets too hot. In the 19th century experiment that apparently generated the idea, however, a frog was boiled to death, but its brain had been removed beforehand, which was humane and, in the present context, makes the metaphor more apt. Much more than the other billion or two people in the rich world, we Americans believe, really believe, in the supernatural and miraculous, in Satan on Earth now, reports of recent trips to and from heaven, and a several-thousand-year-old story of life's instantaneous creation several thousand years ago. At the turn of the millennium, our financial industry fantasized that risky debt was no longer risky. So many tens of millions of Americans fantasized that they could live like rich people, given our fantasy that real estate would always and only increase in value. We believe the government and its co-conspirators are hiding all sorts of monstrous truths from us concerning assassinations, extraterrestrials, the genesis of AIDS, the 9-11 attacks, the dangers of vaccines, and so much more. We stockpile guns because we fantasize about our pioneer past or in anticipation of imaginary shootouts with thugs and terrorists. We acquire military costumes and props in order to pretend we're soldiers or elves, or zombies, fighting battles in which nobody dies, and enter fabulously realistic virtual worlds to do the same. And that was all before we became familiar with the terms post-factual and post-truth, before we elected a president with an astoundingly open mind about conspiracy theories, what's true and what's false, the nature of reality. We have passed through the looking glass and down the rabbit hole, America has mutated into fantasy land.